Hi there, and a warm welcome back to Mum, Will the Planet Die Before I Do, the climate parenting podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. In this episode, we're chatting comedy with Dr. Matt Winning. Matt's an environmental economist by day who performs live stand-up comedy about climate change by night. Yep, you heard us right, climate change comedy. Who'd have thought there was a laugh in that? Matt has a PhD in climate change policy and is an active researcher who combines his two worlds of comedy and environmental research to help save the planet. Enjoy the episode. Here we are talking about parenting in a climate crisis. I mean, you're a new dad of what, a few years. So does that cross your mind about how you're going to parent your son in this crazy time? At the moment, I think, you know, there's not a huge amount sort of day to day. You know, I try to be, you try to be very present as a parent, I think, and you have to be very present kind of constantly. So I'm sort of, I feel like I'm more focused on now and what's happening now. And it is a bit harder to think about the future as much as I probably did before. I probably thought about the future slightly more because it was my job. You kind of had the time to think about it. I guess parenting, although it, it gets you worried about what your child's future is going to be. It makes you have to be really present. And so what I get more annoyed about is what's happening today and, you know, get frustrated with a lack of movement or people, you know, denying its existence and other things like that actually probably winds me up more than it used to um, because of the parenting aspect of it, I think. That could be lack of sleep, Matt. Who knows? And you know, it could I be mean, all of those things. A hundred percent. That's a possibility. Gosh, that's so interesting, though. You're right. Like parenting, it forces you to be in the present. I think my experience of it has also been like, oh, my goodness, now I've got these people that I'm responsible for. And I think it's made me think to the future as well. And probably, well, not even catastrophize, because mm-hmm. probably anything that I'm catastrophizing isn't even proportionate enough to what the reality might potentially be in the future. So it's that weird long termism, short termism being present but yeah that frustration of what what's happening now how, how does that yeah how does that look like for you yeah well I mean I guess because of my job and and stuff requires me to think about the future so much more I don't spend my spare time <laughs> or thoughts on that sort of later on I feel like you kind of have to split things a little bit you know you find yourself and maybe this will change more and more as you, you know, as I begin to be a parent for a longer period of time. You go to work sometimes and you slightly forget you have children because you're just doing the thing that you you, you only have enough brain capacity to do the thing that you're being asked to do. And you know that there's a short period of time to do it in and it needs done. So you're very kind of focused. It does make you much more focused. But it also sort of, sort of splits up your ability to join the dots between things. So it does make you more emotional when you have the time to be emotional. But actually, I find myself just doing like really intensely parenting and then moving to something else and then moving back. And it doesn't, navel gazing is not the right word, but the, the contemplative part of it, I find really tricky. And maybe that's because I work in climate change and then I go about and do comedy related to climate change that when I'm with certainly my son, I feel a lot more focused on just being there with him in that period of time. There are moments where it it kind of hits you quite hard about what's happening. And that was tricky. So the first year of his life, I was writing a book about climate change. And it's essentially, I started writing it the month before he was born and spent the whole of, of the first year of his life essentially writing a book about climate change. Well, that's hardcore. Re- research, while working 
a job mm. during a pandemic. Bonkers. And um, went a bit mad and yeah, won't be doing that the, the same way that I did it before if I ever do it again. The book's sort of, you know, it's sort of explaining climate change through jokes, but the chapters through it start with when we find out that we're having a child, you know, through the various stages up to the middle of the book's the birth and then the first sort of nine months, you know, are spread throughout the, the second half of the book so what I was having to do then you know I was sort of basically going well I'm just gonna whatever's personally happening to me and it was quite hard because it was COVID so there wasn't that oh, much oh Matt you were just throwing it all in there COVID new dad books yeah I, I, and <laughs> global so you're, pandemic yeah. yeah easy easy stuff easy we moved house we bought a house for the first time ever as well of course, of course you did. did so like it was easily the most sort of stressful time of our lives and but I did try to be in the book as sort of open as I possibly could about what was happening and how I was feeling about climate change and stuff. It was almost quite hard to think about that when you're also thinking about another massive existential crisis of a pandemic that's happening at the exact same time. I guess what, what I, I saw from COVID was very much a lot of the same elements of climate change playing out in a much shorter time frame. You know, there are some differences, but there's loads of similarities in terms of of, of sort of how we all had to deal with it and the types of way you know how we need to go about solving it and stuff like that making banana bread and sourdough you mean yeah pretty much but you know you're not you're not the first person that we've had on this podcast to say that there were similarities with yeah those Mm. situations and how you approach it just so our listeners know the book we're talking about is hot mess right Mm. the title what on earth can we do about climate change we'll put that in the show notes so people can um, have a little link (laughs) to that um it was really well received and you also host a podcast um about the climate crisis as well um but you have lots of different hats obviously we're talking about dad hats dad hats yeah good hats talking about your academic career as an environmental researcher as well Dr. Matt winning, we should say. Um, (laughs) And then, of course, the comedy. I mean, Katie and I were chatting about this. I suppose the obvious thing to say is what's so funny about the climate crisis? Mm. Um, And how do you make it into a however long you'll set? Is it it an hour? Is it an hour normally? Yeah. So, yeah, well, what is funny about it? The thing to say is that, I mean, there's nothing inherently funny about anything like climate change, but it's part of our lives. So anything that's human is funny in some way because it's how we deal with it and how we have to cope with it and that sort of thing. So it's a tricky one. It's one of those ones where you tell people that you do comedy about climate change and most people go, I don't know, how is that possible? What are you mm-hmm. gonna, How would you do that? And that was what my view was before I sat down and spent a year trying to do it and then sort of worked it out a way that I could do it but not everybody sits there and says I'm going to do comedy what is it about you that you wanted to do that well I'd been doing comedy for a long time before that as well so I was sort of I trained essentially as a comedian for about eight years before I even tried to do comedy about climate change and I think that really helped if you decided apropos of nothing just that you were (laughs) going to do comedy about it without (laughs) learning how to do comedy in the first place I think you would struggle Um, and I've certainly seen people struggle so it was sort of like I'd done an, an apprenticeship essentially for almost a decade learning how to do comedy 
and then tried to apply those skills to talking about climate change. And again, I did fit. It was tricky, even from comedians that I know, like talking about it, trying to find ways to, to make it accessible or trying to make it funny is quite hard. But I guess initially I struggled a little bit because I'm so close to the subject because it's what I do for a living that I was like, well, this is really hard. And I tried to talk about stuff and I, you get too sort of emotionally involved in it. And what actually the way that I ended up sort of what, what really helped was working with a few other people that, you know, were just comedians speaking to them about my ideas and then kind of seeing what they had to say. You know, they're coming at it from not an expert's point of view and looking at things from a very different perspective. And what I had to do was essentially be able to take off my academic hat and just come at it completely afresh and look at it from a sort of like, well, how would a normal person look at this? How would the average member of the public do it? And, and so that was the, the skill that I had to kind of learn to do. So then it's approaching it in that sort of manner. And I think a lot of people expect me to have started doing comedy about it from the point of view of I want to communicate climate change. And there's a part of that. That wasn't the main thing. The main thing was that I'd ran out of comedy material and needed some new material and needed yeah. to put together a show. And I thought, well, what do I know more about or what's my you know, USP? And it's weird because I hadn't really thought about it and then went, well, actually, I guess I know more about climate change than most other comedians in the country and went, well, that's what I'll do then. I'll try that. But I doubt this is going to work. It's probably going to be quite hard. We'll see what happens. I'll just give it a shot. And I did that and I sort of managed to figure it out. Yeah. And it was sort of very well received. And only then after I'd sort of done it essentially for the first time, did I reflect on it and be like, well, why is this good? Why is this a good way of communicating? What is funny about it? Why do people react in a certain way to this? And, and there's loads of sort of positives from doing it, I think. Um, that I hadn't necessarily, you know, sat and planned out before. It wasn't a planned thing. And I think that's where a lot of academia and other things struggle is that they like to over plan things or they like to talk about things endlessly rather than actually just going out and doing it. And that's where art and creativity, I think a much more immediate role in the climate crisis is actually sort of getting it out there instantaneously and getting feedback from people and engaging people in it in different ways and trying to bring people in it through that. Does making it funny help you personally deal with it because as yeah. you say you're an expert you're dealing with this every day and you know my mum's in hospital at the moment and it's all a bit tricky and I found myself desperately needing to laugh at the most absurd things because it's so awful mm -hmm. and then you're pinging between like different realities of looking after the kids and being in the hospital mm -hmm. and you've got to find humor you've just got to find exactly. humor or you'll go bonkers so was that part of it for you of working really closely with awful things about the potential futures of our planet? I have to be able to laugh about this. Well, I don't laugh about it. It works for me in a different way and I get something from it. What I get from it is probably more immediate feedback than I do as an academic. So as an academic, you spend years writing papers that 11 people read at some point and, and you have impact. You know, I've done things in academia that I'm very proud of and that I've had you know, reasonable impact in terms of feeding into national or international policy stuff. But that's such a long term thing. Whereas the comedy and going out and communicating it to people, what I get from that is the instantaneous thing of people walking into a room, you know, normally middle aged men, you can hear them saying it to their friends and stuff being like, I don't think how's this, how's this going to be funny? Or I don't understand how this is going to work. And within an hour, having taken people on a journey, you, you can see people's opinions about could climate change be funny or whatever, or even just 
some of the facts you can see people in people's expressions and stuff you know some sort of change or realization at, at times but is it but it's interesting isn't it because you're talking almost I suppose and you know having spoken to comedians in the past you get that instant gratification hopefully exactly. if your material yeah. is good and they're yeah. laughing at the right spots or whatever yeah um and and perhaps you know I, I, I like the fact that you're being very honest about this perhaps that's more important in that moment then is perhaps the wider message about the climate crisis because you want to know that your material as a comedian is working and resonating with your audience exactly and I, i'm sort of there's i'm doing both i'm sort of i feel like i'm was it two birds with one stone in the sense that i'm getting that instant gratification as a you know as a person as an artist or whatever you know the the, the creative part of me that's in there constantly it feels rewarded and i feel like i'm also doing something else that is beneficial for the thing that I've spent my life working on. And so, so there's a lot, you know, there's sort of lots of different parts there going on and it makes me feel like I'm contributing more and to trying to help solve the issue and I'm doing something that other people aren't doing. So it makes me feel like, well, you know, I am contributing something that others maybe aren't or isn't happening. So, so there's, there's probably quite a lot going on there internally that, you know, and again, how much time I have to actually it's Break mostly it on po podcasts like this where I actually have to think about it rather than... But out of the two roles other. or the two hats hmm. that you're wearing, I'm talking about like in your professional career, Yeah. Um, is there one that's overtaken the other? Because you've become known as the climate change comedian. Yeah. And I don't know whether that's a good thing for you or not, because of course you said you got into it because you were struggling for material, but now you've been, know you've kind of yeah. grabbed that sector. You're known as that person. The reason we're chatting to you is because yeah, yeah. you're the go-to kind of guy on that. Um, you yeah. know, you're at the Edinburgh Festival and people loved you and it's all about, you know, climate crisis comedy um, against your name. And yeah, yeah. I don't know how that, how does that feel? Yeah, you know, the whole thing's made my life easier in the sense that before I was doing comedy as a, another thing, that wasn't about climate change and I had an academic career looking at climate change comedy stuff was going reasonably well enough you know it wasn't like hitting the roof or anything but it was something that I developed over a while but it was really hard to do that you know I was still like essentially looking at climate change in the day and then going out at night and just doing jokes about anything else to people a couple of nights a week and you know I was in my 20s I didn't have a kid it was a lot easier to just essentially I just worked seven days a week yeah. oh the 20s the good old yeah 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 back when you had all that energy and <laughs> yeah, everything all that time and didn't matter that I was eating at service stations every night yeah, um exactly. so it's made my life easier sort of combining those I think showing that comedy can be done about it and being an example of that you know I think I'm a slightly unique position in that I have the, the expertise and then I'm doing the creative part as well and I, I don't think that's going to be the case for so many people people but hopefully at least it shows examples of being able to talk about it and hopefully more people feel like you know we need less experts essentially so fine it's good that I'm an expert we also need other people talking about it in different ways so the more you know people that talk about it the better I think um, I don't know though for you how how like I was watching a thing on the on the news about um tourist destinations ev everywhere on fire and like the tourist yeah. season will have to change from you know to the way and it's so absurd I mean it's terrifying and it's yeah. absurd so using <laughs> comedy in that like I mean it was almost like a sketch from the fast show it was. that yeah, yeah. ages yeah. me but you know you know and, and you just think how how do you make comedy out of an already 
completely absurd situation. Well, there it is, though, you know. I suppose. I'm not a comedian, but I think that that's almost they handing it to you on the plate, are they, Matt? Some of it's handed to you on a plate and you literally just have to think of, you, you, you present the information to people and then you come up with an extra couple of what we would call tags onto the end, you know, onto it where you're just adding a couple of jokes. So you don't even, you, the information's there. What I try and do is then try and find like news stories, things like that that are either inherently funny or just a bit different or a bit of a different angle on the climate crisis. And if you can find enough of those, that's a good way in because people, you know, you can either find a funny story or you're coming at it from a different direction than people expect to be talked to about climate change. And if you can do that, you kind of just, you open up people a little bit more to be like, oh yeah, this is actually about something else, about this part of my life. And people kind of, you know, so an example is just like, I talk about how heat waves are affecting the size of um, chips in the UK because we're not getting, you know, tr- there's more droughts. And what does that entail? Oh, don't and then tell my kids that. You, well, exactly. And yeah. then you go on a bit and, you know, I've got a whole bit about how one of the only joys I have left mm-hmm. in life, you know, I've got a child is just getting a bag of chips and finding like a really big chip inside it. And, and, you know, <laughs> and so, it's, it, and, and you just expand on that, but it, you find an angle that's slightly, slightly comical or whatever in the first place, but then it's sort of, you know, a lot of the work is actually riffing off of it and trying to expand that idea. And so even when you come up, yeah, tourists, you know, changing the tourist season, I've, I've already noted that down in my brain and like <laughs> screenshotted something. Cause I'm like, well, there's going to be a bit in that, you know, when I'm writing my next show or whatever, because it's obvious. But then it's where do you take that? You know, what are the jokes? What the tourist season is going to look like and other things? You know, it's just you have yeah. to spend a little bit more time sort of developing it. Just going back a bit, I was asking you which hat you like wearing most. Yeah, I mean, sorry, did I answer that question? I don't I don't know if you did, but no, probably not. I so I I think I mean the you don't common... have to choose, obviously. You don't have yeah, to no, it's it a good... be like I mean my aim, my, what I'm trying to do is get a balance of both because I think one both inform the other the problem is how to find that balance in society today given opportunities and they're not short of opportunities but you know you're trying to think long term as well about a career and what you need to do and what but also with the comedy stuff trying to do more now potentially you know with the comedy thing there's less people that could come in and do that role Mm. there's more people that could take my academic role you know i mean it's not like we're short of academics people listening to this who might not know what your academic role entails how would you describe it yeah so i i'm i've been for a decade a researcher at a a university um looking at the interactions between the economy and the environment um looking at climate policies and the impacts that they would have on the economy and on different kind of trajectories for the future. You know, a lot of the work that we do is sort of creating models, running scenarios that would then inform government policy, essentially. One of the main papers that I wrote a couple of years ago was then used, quoted in the IPCC latest report on what's going to happen if we don't reduce our emissions quickly enough and then have to do it around 2030. If we start working then, what are the main, you know, main impacts going to be? Or what kind of rates of reduction are we going to have to look at? And also the paper, the same paper looked at like what happens if we just continue on the sort of trajectory that we're currently on, looking into the future. What will that mean to the energy system? Essentially, what will, you know, our mix between gas and wind and solar and stuff, and also what sort of temperature increase that might uh, entail. And that's then was used by 
you know, the UK government to inform some of their the sort of international basis for some of their UK specific work. So it's stuff like that, you know. It, so this is major stuff. This is yeah, it's it's fairly yeah, it's fairly sort of yeah, but a lot of it's sort of thinking about the future and thinking about policies and thinking about what changes could happen and and trying to help policymakers you know and inform people you know so in those numbers that gets reported in the ipcc and stuff you know stuff that i do will be one of the you know thousands of papers that they're they're quoting and i get um, the fact amazing. that it, it it is amazing but i get the fact that it takes time a long time to go through that system and then you don't know if it's going to be acted upon yeah there's loads of uncertainty and you're doing it but but other people are good at it and and i'm probably even better at it than i am so um but you know i, I yeah I, I do have quite a lot of expertise in that area but but i think with the comedy it, what, what's beneficial or what, what i see there is and i can't i should really look up this term but there's like a japanese term about like finding what you're good at what makes money and what you really enjoy doing the venn diagram type thing yeah and right in the middle it's like well here's what you should be doing and i feel like i have found the thing that nobody else seems to be doing because i have that expertise and i can you know i can do it and make and it's sort of it's putting that into practice and sort of trying to find a kind of longer term stable solution of how i can spend my time you know ideally i think what i'd like to do is be spending sort of half my time doing comedy and half my time maybe teaching as well or doing some bits of research or whatever but it's it's sort of trying to think about what the most effective way of doing that is and and then the practicalities of life like having a child and having to you know provide money and all the all these sorts of things have an income do you know it's funny that's kind of why what babs and i are doing this podcast because we're journalists and we felt frustrated about how the climate crisis sits in the media i hate that term because it's such a a big amorphous thing isn't it but with news journalism specifically and it felt like there wasn't a place where parents or caregivers could explore their emotions and really give themselves space to think what the future for our kids look like yeah so it feels like what you're doing in your academic career is you're really going there academically and in your comedy you're really going there in your comedy you know to kind of help frame the absurdity the the terror I think of you know in Shakespeare or you know the court jesters of yesteryear their job would be to speak truth to power wouldn't it it would be their job yeah. And oh, so Matt, I'm... she's definitely given you lots of up your backside, hasn't she? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is, it's, I think it's. Well, so I don't know, important actually, you just to... called him a court jester, Katie, but you know. Oh, I'm fine with that. No, or maybe a, I'm calling a, us that's a court a big jester, Bab. So yeah. I, maybe that's our role. I don't know. But I think it's really, it's really interesting using these different narratives because, you know, we've got protest, we've got um, political action. You know, there are different ways that we can try yeah. and disrupt what's happening or try and influence um but if I feel comedy is such a unique way of trying to awaken people or to try and get people to understand stuff that's so scary and your brain can't do it can it like your brain just can't do it and you know you can say to people on the news that this is a very scary thing that is likely to happen but people can't well I can't understand it so is that like part of your hope as well with your comedy that you'll help people to kind of get it maybe as a prelude to action? Yeah. And yeah, you so absolutely. So so you've kind of touched on two things, one there and one a bit earlier. That 
and I'll, I'll try and kind of talk about both. That one, the idea of comedy is a great way of getting people's feet through the door. We see things in a certain way that we expect to see them on the news and it sort of shuts, we can shut this down. It's not helping us cope with what the message is. And so if you're able to do it with comedy, often that initial step of trying to pay attention to it is a lot of sugar with the pill sort of thing. It's it, it just really helps people pay attention for long enough to kind of understand things and come away going, oh, I really enjoyed that, but also I feel quite emotional about it, but I, but I was laughing as well. And, you know, and, and you take people on a bit of a, of a journey there they remember it as a positive feeling the learning about it even though the information's potentially negative and if you're able to do that it's a lot easier for people to kind of go okay well you know how do you know take those next steps essentially i can't make people take action you know i can provide examples of action and i can give people information and i can make them laugh and make them feel like they're a bit more knowledgeable and they've had a nice time it's an introduction it's a way of exploring the topic and talking about it and having people feel like it's relevant to their lives you know we have to have shared experiences of things to be able to laugh about them so you have to find well how does climate change relate to people's lives and what what's your audience so how what's their lives like stuff what's our shared knowledge i have stuff about in the show and, and in the book talking about busted right they're yeah year 3000 looking at what's they're gonna live we're gonna live underwater and exploring that the idea at length but you know a lot of people who were of a certain age will know that reference and then be able to kind of you know take and you're just as something shared it's a song that we all know that we're able to share and kind of explore together you're making me think about billy Connolly, and he greatly said that just human observation is funny and that is kind of the essence of it um i'm conscious of time here matt that's um, all right don't worry talk, I, to I mean... you, talk to you for hours but i just wanted to know has you know we've said that your sets have gone down really well they've been critically acclaimed you've had a lot of you know press about it have there been instances where it's people have been like, why are you doing this? Or this isn't funny or like, this is boring or. Not really. Only when I was trying to work it out in the first place, work out how to do it. That was the, that was going through that process for the first time is as bad an experience as any comedian who's, oh, you know, I'd been going for, as I say, about eight years by that time, any comedian who's been going for a reasonable amount of time, who's then working a new show out doing a show about climate change in front of people without knowing how to do it. That was tough going. And I, I was lucky. That, that sounds I was hellish. My, yeah. I mean, I'm, I was lucky that I was in my twenties and also just like, you have to be quite thick skinned and determined to just like, I'm just going to keep going. And I know I believe in myself and how much I've done this already that I'll manage to get somewhere with it. I don't think there's been any instances. You always have show like if you, when you do the Edinburgh fringe, there's always, cause you're doing it like 25 days or whatever in a row. There's always a handful of them that are awful. <laughs> but, but but that was the case when I was doing comedy not about climate change. So yeah. that is not that's not, it's not to do with the fact that it's about climate change. It's just the nature of art is that there are some days where people don't find it as funny. Um and, and that's the thing that drives you mad as a comedian is is the you're doing the same thing and sometimes people think it's amazing and then the next day the exact same thing people don't laugh at it and you go you know I'll try you try to tinker with bits and sometimes you're just going to have to like you've done um plow on regardless because you know it takes emotional do you know it takes emotional resilience and actually I was just thinking listening to you talk almost laughing at 
climate change, laughing with climate change, laughing at inaction. Is it almost like giving us emotional resilience? I, I think Babs and yeah. I talk about this a lot. What what we what are we going to give our kids for the future? Emotional resilience is the most important in a way. Really, yeah, that's a great point, and I, and I think it because I never quite answered the second part of what you talked about earlier. Is that it's the, it's like a coping mechanism? It's so it's co- comedy about climate change is really good as a, an educational tool because it's it, it's a foot in the door and it's positive and it helps people. Um, you know, learn essentially in a positive environment. The second reason is the coping thing. Um, and I don't, I, I think you, when you asked me earlier, Katie was kind of, do I get something that I'm coping from that? It's not the, the laughing about it. I don't laugh at my own stuff. I get something else from it, but we've kind of discussed, but, but what I think other people, especially people that are maybe a bit further down the line in terms of climate knowledge and stuff get from it is that coping thing is, the emotional resilience of it is the we're we're in a room we're sharing how terrifying this is and we're laughing about it together and afterwards we feel like we've come together as a you know as a group it'd be ideal if you could do that at a, like a you know a national level but but you know it, it's a way of going well i'm not gonna let this get the better of me or we're not gonna let this get the better of us you know it's a way of sort of standing up to it and laugh you know i think that's what comedy does you're laughing at something and you're going okay this is horrible this is terrible we're not laughing at the people mostly impact. It's, it's very much not that. It's it's about punching up, as you say, the sort of court jester thing, and it's about uh, you know coping with the absurdity of it and and sharing um, together. And so and it's unifying. That's that's it because you're in a group of people who you're you're laughing together and yep. and that kind of creates community I imagine or people thinking like oh god it's not just me this is you know like it's an expression of grief sadness all of those things and that's why that's the power of comedy is that there's nothing more unifying i don't think than a room full of people coming together and laughing together dr matt winning there on how comedy and environmental issues can help us save the planet Join us for our next and final episode of this series, where Katie and I will be looking back at the incredible guests that we've interviewed for series two, what we've learned from them and what our highlights have been. Also, we're going to be talking about our hopes and ambitions for a third series in this podcast. We'd also love to hear from you too about your thoughts on the show, what you like, what you'd like to hear more of, maybe topics you'd like us to delve into. Please do get in touch. We're on social media. Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. You'll find us on all those platforms. Just use the hashtag MumWillThePlanetDie. Or if you prefer email, then you can also get in touch with us that way too. Our email address is MumWillThePlanetDie at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. It means so much to us. Mum, Will the Planet Die Before I Do? is a Corner Shop media production presented and produced by Babita Sharma, Katie Glasborough and edited by Nisha Patel.